Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Allow me, Brigway, and welcome back to the Super Abundant Life podcast. It is episode 134 today. I'm excited to always bring these episodes to you, and I hope you're enjoying listening to them as much as I enjoy recording them and presenting them. So, well, let's just get into what I'm going to be talking about today. In Super Abundant Woman in Seoul, one of the things that we're very passionate about is your marriage because by the very definition of what a super bona woman is this is a woman that is thriving supernaturally in every important area of her life and there's seven important areas of life that we focus on in so the first of course is the spiritual life because that is what opens the gate to prosperity in the other areas the second one is career the third one is marriage then we have finances we have parenting we have health and fitness and we have business now marriage is right up there because there's no point a woman saying um, I'm doing so well in my career. My career is advancing. I'm at the top of my industry. I'm earning all this money or my business is prospering, but my marriage is destroyed. My husband and I barely talk to each other. We only just discuss logistics like, right, so who's picking up the kids, who's doing this for the kids or whatever it is. That is the conversation that's going on. The intimacy is gone. The friendship is gone. Or a woman that says, I desire to get married. I want to get married. I know that God wants me in a beautiful marriage. And they're not content 
with saying, okay, it's fine, single and satisfied. Listen, no, I lived the whole single and satisfied life. It doesn't eradicate the need, that craving to be in a beautiful relationship. So one of the things that we're really, really, really particular about in helping you to thrive in soul is in your marriage, whether as a single lady that is working towards or walking towards the marriage that God has designed for you, or someone that is already married and saying, I want this marriage to be better. I want this marriage to be more fruitful. I want to be happy in my marriage. I want a better relationship with my husband and so on. So today I'm going to be talking about one of the keys, one of the biggest keys to why I am living a truly, truly satisfied life in my marriage. It was not by accident. The reason why I come and I share these things and I teach these principles and I share my story is to debunk any idea that, oh, you just happen to marry a nice man or a good man or anything like that. No, I'm telling you that these things do not happen by accident. They're governed by spiritual laws and spiritual principles. So no one accidentally walks into a marriage that is just beautiful. And beautiful marriages do not accidentally happen. Do you see what I mean? I'm talking about hand on heart now. I have a beautiful marriage, a Christ-centered marriage that is fruitful. We're happy. We're friends. We laugh. We're making advancement together. We have our squabbles every now and then. But overall, I'm truly grateful for my marriage. But if you say, oh, it's because of me or it's because of, did I not horribly and horrifically get it wrong earlier in my life. I mean, I did. If you know my story, you know that the relationship that almost broke me, do you see what I mean? I was in a relationship that literally almost destroyed my life, not necessarily because of the person, but because of the combination of the two people. So I have been in a place where I made choices that were not good for me. I made choices and decisions that did not create the right environment for a fruitful and beautiful relationship. So what am I saying? I'm saying that these things do not happen by accident. You have to know how to intentionally create the life that you want using the tools that the Holy Spirit has given us and continues to give us. And one of the keys for me was the power of vision, the power of vision. I literally sat down and I said, okay, this is the kind of marriage that I want. I embraced and employed visioneering, which is crafting a vision for my marriage. I didn't just say, oh Lord, just send me the right person, a godly man that would do this, I would do that. Literally crafted the marriage that I wanted with the help of the Holy Spirit opening my eyes. And I sat down and I literally called that marriage into existence. So I didn't just happen to marry the man that I married. I didn't just happen to be in this kind of relationship. Do you see what I mean? So I'm saying all this to say that the process started before I got married. So I'm speaking 
probably to two or three kinds of people. Let's say three kinds of people on this podcast today. Number one is you're single. So I'm speaking to you if you're single and you're saying, I want a wonderful marriage. Okay, God, order my steps, bring me into this beautiful relationship. I'm speaking to you. And I shared the part about how I envisioned the marriage that I wanted years before I actually met my husband. Do you see what I mean? So you can't just leave it and say, uh, God is working. It will happen. I trust God. I believe God. People tell me all the time, oh, I believe God. I'm believing God for something. I mean, regarding anything, marriage, finances, career. And the question I ask them is, tell me about this career, this new role that you want. Describe it to me. Tell me what word you are standing on. What has God shown you about it? And in nine out of 10 times, People don't actually have the answers to that. They say very vague things. Well, as long as it is in this industry, as long as it pays me this, then it's okay. Or as long as the very common one when it comes to marriage, if he's a godly man, I say, this godly man that you're saying, there are all kinds of godliness. So. <laughs> there are all levels of godliness. A godly man can be somebody that is well born again, but he does not go to church. He does not read the Bible. He doesn't pray, etc. So what is your definition of a godly man? So you can't just be vague regarding the things you want. You need a powerful vision and you must craft that vision before you get married, while you're still single. And then based on what God has shown you in the scriptures, you must start calling that vision into existence. This is your preparation. The preparation is not necessarily, okay, I'm making sure that I'm going where guys are. I mean, those are things the Holy Spirit can guide you and lead you, but that's not the real preparation. The real preparation is preparing your heart and creating something solid in the realm of the spirit that will give birth to the manifestation of what you desire. So I'm speaking to you, if you're single and you want to get married, you desire a beautiful marriage, but you are quote and unquote waiting on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on you because once you have crafted that vision and you have called it into existence, it will show up in your life. The second set of people that I'm talking to will be people that you are already married and the marriage is not what you want in the sense that you are not happy. You and your husband, maybe you argue a lot, there's a lot of fights, etc., etc. You're just not happy in that marriage and you feel like, well, we're in it. Let's just take it as it is. That's the end of the road. Let's just continue. <laughs> whatever, I will just face my children I'll be at the end of the day. I'll just face my children or I'll face my career or I'll face my business. Let him do what he wants to do. Me, I'll do what I want to do. As long as we're not talking to each other, there's peace in the house. And you know that this is not what you want. You're not happy in it. You know that it could be better. So that's the second set of women that I'm talking to. If you're already in the marriage and you feel like it is not what you want, it is not the end of the journey. You don't have to settle for less than God's best for you. In that marriage, while you are in it, you can be the agent of change that will craft and then manifest the true vision of the kind of marriage that you desire. You don't have to settle for less than the best. You don't have to. So don't give up hope. I'm going to be talking and showing you today how it only takes one. God deals with individuals when he's looking to change 
anything, whether he wants to change a couple, whether he wants to change a community, or whether he wants to change a nation, or whether he wants to change the whole world, the whole human race. He only deals with one individual. He only took Jesus Christ, one person, to change the entire course of humanity. But I'll come to that later. So if you're in that space where you're like, you had given up and you're like, let's just take it as it is. I'm severely unhappy, but what can I do? What can I do? He needs to change. He's not listening, blah, blah, blah. And the third set of people that I'm talking to is your marriage is okay. You are sort of happy or you, you could even say we're happy. I mean, we have our issues, but we're generally happy. Things are generally good. Now I will ask you this question. Do you have a vision for that marriage? Do you know why God brought you together in the first place? Because you could be actually underachieving in terms of what that marriage was created to achieve on earth. The real purpose of God for that marriage, because you could have settled for, oh, we're good, we're happy. And yeah, that's it. Our children are doing well. What if God wanted to use that union to transform the lives of young women that are waiting to get married or marriages that are on the brink of divorce, whatever it is, there could be a greater purpose. And there usually is a greater purpose when God brings two people together, because it says that one will chase a thousand and two will chase 10,000. Meaning when God brings two people together, there's a purpose for it to multiply, to do something that one person on their own may not have been able to do. Do you see what I mean? So marriage is much more than my husband and I are happy. Our children are doing good. We're prospering in our career. There is always a deeper purpose for that marriage. So if you don't yet have that vision of what God wants to do with that marriage, I'm speaking to you today. I'm going to be encouraging you to seek the face of God because once you behold that marriage, you begin to find opportunities to live it out you and your husband opportunity to serve humanity. It could literally be if your own marriage is successful, how could you help other people come into what you're already experiencing? Do you see what I mean? So being happy in marriage and saying my family is doing well, we are doing okay. There's always more to it than that. So if you don't yet have that vision, then I'm going to challenge you to go for it. So today, as I said, I'm going to be talking about visioneering, specifically in marriage, how you can design conceive and birth the marriage of your dreams through the power of vision. And when I talk about a vision, I don't just mean I want to be happy. I'm talking about a God given vision. And I'm going to walk you through four reasons why you must have a vision, craft, design a vision for your marriage and why you must conceive that vision before you can expect it to be birthed upon the earth. Okay. The reason why I'm focusing on the why is because I noticed that most people do not have a vision for their marriage. Honestly, most people, when I talk to people and say, what is your vision for your marriage? Why did you get married? Why did God bring you and your husband together? 
people don't know the answer to that question. I remember, as I said, in Seoul, we're very particular about this. We say, you must get a vision for your marriage, whether you are single or you are already married, because that vision is a guiding force for your experiences in marriage. And if you don't intentionally craft that vision, guess what's going to happen? Your marriage will then be subject to whatever the default is. And we know that the default mode in this world, the divorce rate, they say, is one out of every two marriages. So if you are leaving it to default, then there's a problem because one out of two marriages end in divorce. Do you see what I mean? So I'm just going to spend time walking you through why and the benefits of it and the importance of it in terms of actually creating and crafting the vision and imprinting it on your heart, conceiving it so that you can then birth it in your life. Well, you're going to have to come into Saw for that. One of our execution guides, which is visionary in marriage, we talk about the why, which I'm going to talk about. And then we literally walk you step by step through how to create, how to craft a God-inspired, God-breathed vision for your marriage. And not just craft it, but then to, as I did, sit down and imprint it, conceive it in your heart. And thirdly, to birth it, regardless of what stage or state your marriage is in. Even the marriage that is at the point of breaking. Listen, I have seen so many marriages turned around because of this simple process. It is such a simple process, but the effect is, honestly, is so heartwarming. I've seen people that are literally at the point of breaking the marriage. The husband is out of the house. But this process, just being yielding to God and saying, God, I am available. I will craft the vision for my marriage. I will be the agent of change in my marriage. And the marriage is restored to a beautiful new level. Do you see what I mean? So this is not a, it's not an option. If you want a beautiful marriage, this is your stepping stone to it. You cannot get a beautiful marriage without this. All right. So let's get started. The first reason why you need a vision for your marriage to design it, to craft it, to conceive it and to birth it is God always begins with the end in mind. And as a result, we should follow the example of God. You should begin with the end of mind, state the end, and then you literally walk back. So I call it the power of living backwards. In other words, the Bible says, I declare the end from the beginning. God does not start anything that he has not already finished. The Bible talks about Jesus and it says he is the lamb that was slain when? Before the foundations of the world. So God had already looked at the entire possible scenario of where humanity could go. And he thought if they do this, if they sin, this will be the consequence. So before he even created Adam and Eve, he had already slain Jesus. He had already offered up Jesus as a sacrifice. Do you see what I mean? Before Jesus was even born, God had been speaking through prophets for thousands of years. He had a clear picture of what the life of Jesus would look like. 
The same thing with Abraham. I have made you what? A father of many nations. God starts with the end. And one of the books that I love so much teaches this truth, which is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. So if you go into marriage and you say, we'll make it up as we go, and you don't have a clear vision of where that marriage is heading, honestly, you will live day by day. You will live based on whatever comes into your space. If you are not guided by a strong vision, the way you relate with your husband will always be based on how you feel and whatever circumstances and situations you encounter on a day-to-day basis. Do you see what I mean? So we must begin with the end of mind. So that vision, when you sit down and you say, okay, this is where we're going. This is what I desire for my marriage. It becomes a guiding force. It becomes literally what would guide how you speak to your husband, how you relate with your husband, how you schedule and manage your time because you know that, listen, this is the kind of marriage that I want. And this kind of marriage is the kind where I prioritize my husband, my children, my marriage, etc. But if you don't have that guiding force, you will let anything determine how you show up in your marriage. Where there is no vision, the Bible says, the people cast off restraint, meaning there are no parameters that are guiding your life and you just show up based on however the wind blows. And isn't it a wonder that so many marriages, there is no anchor. There is nothing that is acting as an anchor to guide the way they show up in their marriages. Everything is just based on how they feel and the emotions and what they are feeling at that particular time. I remember Victoria and Joel Austin talking about their marriage. I think it was in an interview or maybe they were preaching. And Victoria was saying something along the lines of before she even got married, she had clearly defined the kind of marriage that she wanted, the kind of marriage that she wanted. I mean, these are the kind of people that I heard that I listened to one of them. And I'm like, ah, you mean I can design this thing and actually determine what I want before I enter into it. So myself, I was like, eh? oh yeah, well, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> so I heard her say that she knew as a young woman, in her early 20s or even earlier than that, she just knew the kind of man she wanted to marry, the kind of marriage that she wanted and desired, and the kind of life, the kind of life she wanted to live. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm single and I'm waiting, whoever comes along and I fall in love with, I'll marry. Say, no. Mm-mm-mm. It's not about who I fall in love with. How many of us fall in love and then enter into marriage and mm-hmm, you know what happens? So I know it's not a matter of who I fall in love with because when you have a vision, it even guards your heart so that if somebody comes that could potentially be attractive to you, you'll be like, no, 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 this one does not fit the vision of what I desire. It's very easy. It's a very easy no. Uncle, please move along. Do you see what I mean? So she, she was like, this is a kind of marriage that I want. And one of the things that she clearly saw being married to someone having an impact on a global scale in terms of ministry and working side by side with that person as they affected lives and changed lives all over the world. At this point, when she was envisioning all these things, she was working in her parents' jewelry store. 
So it wasn't like she herself was a pastor or anything like that. But by literally opening up her heart to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to paint that picture, she saw it clearly. When they met, Joe was working in his father's church, so Lakewood Church, and he was a video guy. He was a guy that was behind the camera. He was the one that was editing all the videos, putting it on TV, etc. Joe, at that point, had no intention. He has said this so many times, that he had zero intention of going into ministry in terms of preaching or whatever it is. But somehow, this is what I'm saying. So that vision does not mean from the beginning, the person or you will look exactly like that. Victoria was working in her parents' jewelry store. Was she making global impact? No. When Joe showed up, he was not in ministry per se. He was working as a video guy for his father's ministry. He had no intention whatsoever. But because she had prepared that vision in advance, when Joe showed up and with the help of the Holy Spirit, she was able to identify that this is the man that I'm going to marry. It just fit within that vision. He was not yet there. She was nowhere there either. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit was that this is the guy. Now, here's what I'm saying. This is how vision shapes your life. Throughout their marriage, in the early days, while he was still the video guy, Victoria would say to him, Joe, one day you are going to leave this church. Joe, one day you are going to pastor this church. Joe, one day you are going to have a global ministry. She kept speaking that vision that she had entered into marriage with. And Joe would be like, no, Victoria, stop saying that because he was so shy. He was severely introverted. I was like, no, no, no. Video is what I know. Editing is my strength. I'm here to make people look good, to make my father look good. No, I'm never going to become the leader of the church, you know, etc., etc. He was like, no, Victoria, stop. And he would resist it and resist it and resist it. But Victoria said, no, it's okay. I know you don't see it now, but I'm telling you, one day you're going to have a global ministry. One day you're going to leave this church, etc." And they'll laugh about it and they'll be like, hmm, prophetess, you've come again. And literally would just swipe the thing aside and would not take it seriously. But did you know, I think a week before John Osteen, Joel's father died, John, as in for several years, John had been almost saying the same thing to Joe, like, Joe, come and preach. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. For years, he refused. Just that one, the week before John died, John just asked him again. He didn't even know that, obviously, that he was going to die. He just asked Joel again, will you preach on Sunday? And like a miracle, for some reason, Joe says, even though he had shied away from this thing for years, that particular day when his father asked him, something arose in him. Like, why not do it? And literally I was like, okay, sure, I'll do it. I said, John almost fell out of his chair. Like, what? Did you just say yes? He said, yes, I'll do it. And then he went and preached on that Sunday. Do you know that John died like a few days after that? Literally. And since that Sunday, that first Sunday, Joel has been preaching in every service at Lakewood Church. And see what God did. God took that church from, I don't know, maybe about 5,000 in attendance. Now Lakewood Church with their multiple services, maybe they're 20,000. And that's even small compared to Joel's global TV ministry and media ministry. Where people literally all over the world, millions are watching him. If he had married a woman that did not have a clear vision, 
that didn't go to God in advance and say, who is the kind of man that you want me to marry? Do you see what I mean? If you had married a woman that she too was ministry shy and saying, ah, okay, I will marry you, but you have to promise me to never ever become a preacher. I know that your father is a preacher, but look, my own vision is this is what I want. I want you to go and go into media. And then after you work for your father for like three years, you have to leave and go and start a media company. Victoria understood that vision is so powerful. What I hold in my heart regarding this man, and it's not some selfish thing that I concocted myself. This was birth in a place of prayer. This is a strong desire that God has put inside me that I've been able to articulate. So the way she related with her husband from the moment they got married, she was relating with him based on that vision. That vision became the guiding element of everything that she did. And as a result of that, Joel eventually rose up to who God created him to be. Do you see what I mean? And the third reason why you must begin with the end in mind is when you don't intentionally live by vision, craft the end from the beginning, you will by default live by what you have been taught and what you have imbibed. Remember I said the statistic says one out of two marriages end in divorce. Even if they don't literally end in divorce to the point where it is official and they are legally separated, the divorce state whereby people are just doing, the couple, everybody just doing their own thing. There's no intimacy. We're just living in the same house as roommates. This is what I mean. So when you don't intentionally have a godly vision that you are working towards, that you are pulling yourself towards, you will default to whatever has been sown in your heart regarding marriage. The Bible says in Isaiah 29:13 to 14, says, So says the Lord, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. The wisdom of the wise will pass away. The intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. I love this scripture so much. God says they are saying one thing, but their heart is completely different to what they're saying. So the same way someone could be saying, oh, I want a beautiful marriage. Oh, I want a wonderful marriage. But they haven't actually sat down to craft a vision, to design that vision, to conceive that vision and to birth it. They are not living by that vision. By that God-given vision. He says that what they will reflect, what they will literally live out is whatever has been learned from their own parents, from society. He says man-made rules learned by rote. Do you know what rote is? Rote is repetition. So what you have been repeatedly exposed to as a child during your formative years, the relationships that you were exposed to starting with your parents, then your uncles and aunties, then the people that it had some measure of influence over your life. What you learned by repeatedly being exposed to those relationships, that is what is rooted in your heart. And that is what you will live out. That's why people are like, I don't understand. What I thought, I would never do this in my own marriage. I'm doing exactly the same thing in my own marriage. Or the husband is doing it. But the atmosphere is still created. This is what I mean. So what, and that intelligence, that wisdom and that intelligence that is what he says, it will disappear. It will not stand the test of time. 
So when you start with the end in mind, whether, listen, remember I'm talking to you if you're already in marriage as well. Don't say, oh, well, we have made a mistake. We're in the marriage. No, you can still change that marriage from where you are. You can still go to God and say, God, show me. I want you to help me craft a vision for my marriage and help me to begin to live out that vision for me, right? As a wife, as a woman. And when you begin to do that, I will show you later that God only needs one person to begin the process. Okay. Number two, why do you need a God given vision for your marriage? Why do you need to design it with the help of the Holy spirit? Why do you need to conceive it? And why do you need to birth it? It's because you cannot create a beautiful marriage outside of the one that created the institution of marriage in the first place. The reason why so many marriages crumble or just go into that uncomfortable lull where things are just as it is and you're just going by day by day and you know that the marriage is nothing to write home about and they are Christians is simply because people are trying to do it on their own. They're trying to use their own energy to create the beautiful marriage that they want, excluding God from the process. How do you bring God into the process of creating a beautiful marriage? It is first of all, by having a clear vision, understanding and receiving the clear vision that God has for your marriage and then to conceive it and to birth it. Do you see what I mean? So the process starts with receiving that vision, seeing clearly who God has called you and your husband and the marriage to become through his word, calling it and speaking it into existence, bringing the Holy Spirit into the process of change, of transformation. If you are going about saying, well, my husband must change. Well, why can't he be like this until this man changes? Look at what he's doing. If we are all about this person must change, that person must change. And you think it is by works. It is by pushing the person. It is by nagging the person. It is by doing everything you can externally to try and create that marriage if you are listening to me and you're married, then you know that there's nothing more frustrating in marriage than trying to change your spouse. It is the most frustrating thing <laughs> you will ever experience in this life. Because even if the person is a nice, happy-go-lucky person, they might say, yes, 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 dear, yes, darling, I hear you. And then they will not do it. Because you, it is not your responsibility to create a human being, to change a human being. God is the one that holds that responsibility. So no matter how much you try, you kick down doors or whatever you want to do, you must change, you must change, you must change. My friend, you listen. <laughs> you will waste your breath, you will waste your energy, you will waste your time, and you will create friction in that marriage. So how do you bring God into that marriage? to help you create the desire you have for your marriage. It is by the vision that he gives you, articulating and going to the scriptures and getting scriptures regarding your marriage, speaking it into existence, birthing that thing with the help of the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I mean? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, three, 
By faith, we understand that the entire universe was created by the word of God. So that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So it takes invisible spiritual forces to create anything that you will ever see, touch, feel, taste, or experience in this natural realm. So if you're trying to create a marriage where my husband and I, we just sit and we talk for hours and we're just wonderful friends and he loves me. I respect him. I submit to him. We tell each other everything and those kind of things. And you're trying to force it. You're even trying to manipulate it into existence without bringing the spiritual forces of God to create it. It leads to what? Frustration. Because it says nothing in the entire universe was created without the word of God. So you cannot create the marriage of your dreams without the vision that God gives you and speaking that vision into existence. You have to first of all sit down and know how to articulate and craft that vision for your marriage. Honestly, you do. Okay. The third reason. So number three, why you need a vision, a God-given vision for your marriage, whether you're single or you're already married is... I already sort of mentioned this. You reproduce according to the image that is already settled in your heart. So whichever way, this one's hard for people to take, but I will say it anyway because it is the truth. Whichever way your marriage is now, it is a simple and clear reflection of the images or quote and unquote vision that is already planted and rooted in the heart of your husband and of yourself. Your experiences are a direct reflection of what is planted in your heart. The heart of a man is the garden. Whatever is sown in that garden, good or bad, finds expression. This one is a bitter pill to swallow because it is easy for me to say, no, it's him. Are you not part of the equation? Did the man do it by himself? Do you see what I mean? You can't put 100% responsibility. When I say things, somebody commented sometime and said, what about the person that's the man that's abusing and beating his wife? Are you saying that she's the one that caused the man to be beating her? That the man is just angry or whatever it is. And you say, oh, maybe she should say it another way. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm not talking about actions. I'm not talking about, oh, the husband is beating the woman. It's because the woman too does not know how to talk to the... No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that woman that is in a marriage with an abusive husband, she must, if she wants to change... All right. If she wants her situation to change, she must first of all, sit down and accept responsibility and say, how on earth, first of all, did I end up in a marriage relationship with this person? That is where the responsibility starts from. What did I see? What has been sown in my heart that made this person attractive to me to the point that I ended up marrying them. That is where responsibility starts from. I'm not talking about, oh, her mouth is too sharp. No, no, that, pfft, that's talking about things that are already revealed. I'm talking about things that are hidden in the heart. What is in that person's heart that has attracted that marriage into their life? 
Because even if that person gets out of that marriage, that abusive marriage, if they don't change that image, if they don't go and correct as the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and show me or unveil the things that are rooted in my heart, they will literally go into another relationship and they will find another man that will abuse them, attractive, and marry that person. And then the thing will show up again. I'm like, how on earth did that go and marry an abusive person again? Do you see what I mean? So there are things lurking in your heart that you don't know about. There are images that have been branded upon your heart that you don't know about. So you attract, you have to say, what is in my heart that is causing me to attract this thing that is playing out in my life? If you blame the person and put 100% of the responsibility on them, I'm telling you that you are not ready to change your situation. Whether you are single or you are married, if you are single, you are in a fantastic position because you don't have to go through the pain and the heartache of, you know, living that painful experience. You can say in advance, I will change this thing before I go into a married situation, which is what I did. After I came out of that season, I said, no, no matter who comes, I'm not jumping into anything. Then the Holy Spirit was like, don't you dare sit down let me work on your heart let me change the vision that you have of marriage first of all and that's what i did when that vision was complete when it was clear when it was godly when it was god breathed and god birthed literally my husband showed up it's as simple as that and i'm not forcing from day one i've never really need to force like oh i want a beautiful marriage it's just sort of fluid why because the work was done my husband too did the work do you see what I mean? So there's something already planted in your heart. A vision is already planted of what marriage should look like. If you do not then deliberately, intentionally go to God and get a godly vision for what number one, marriage should be generally and number two your marriage should be and begin to conceive it and literally change the image that is inside you you will continue to live out what is already rooted in your life matthew 19 6 to 8 says let no one spit apart what god has joined together then why did moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away the Pharisees asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. It was not what God originally intended. Do you know what Jesus was saying there? He says, there's a vision of God for your marriage and there's something else that is playing out as a result of the state of the heart. He's saying that divorce is a result of the state of the heart and it is playing out, but that's not God's intention. So if I want to change my situation, what is already or currently playing out, or I'm saying, no, when I get married, I don't want that to play out. I have to go to the person that created marriage in the first place and say, God, what is your original intention for marriage generally and for my marriage and sit with that vision until it becomes the driving force of every choice, every decision that you make in marriage and every action, every thought, every word, every action in the place of marriage. Let me give you an example of, of how powerful this thing is. 
I heard the story of this couple. So very popular ministry couple. I don't remember if it was an interview with the two of them talking about this or one of them was preaching and told the story and basically told the story of how when they were married, it got to the point where they were, these people were preachers or as in pastors and they loved God. They wanted to please God. They really wanted the marriage to work, but the marriage had degenerated to the point where literally in the house, the arguments were so severe on both ends that at one point they both pulled knives on each other. They were both, <laughs> they were both on each other as in the, the wife was given as much as she got pulling. I said, I will stab you. You know, can, and they'll come and preach on Sunday. <laughs> so that's where the marriage had degenerated to. And they had kids. I'm like, what's going to happen? What will happen? Hey, and obviously they said, listen, what this thing that is playing out in our, in our marriage, it is as a result of things that we have imbibed. We need to go to God and change the image. We must go to God and change this image. Otherwise, this marriage will be destroyed. So they sat down together and said, okay, we know how to change the image. We know how when we were poor, we said we want to destroy this image of poverty. And we went to God and began to build an abundance mindset and then see how successful we are in terms of financially and physical things, we can do the same thing for our marriage. So they agreed to do that. Each person went to God separately and they received a vision. And I remember they were saying that the wife went to God and God began to give her scriptures that describes who he created her husband to be, his character, the way he showed up in life, the love that God had already put inside him that may not yet be found in expression in that marriage. So she wrote down, and he did the same thing, wrote down, articulated the vision of who my husband is, even though he was as far from the, as far as the North Pole to the South Pole in that present situation. He was nothing like what she had written down. Nothing like that. In the same way, she was nothing like what her husband had written down. But nonetheless, because they were committed to changing that marriage, they each took the vision and they compared notes and they agreed that, okay, with this is what we see. And literally took that vision and began to basically work with it. It began the guiding force in her marriage. She began to call out and say, this is who my husband is. My husband is that she's saying it. He probably just did something that is completely opposite <laughs> to what she said. Remember, I told you that the second reason is the word of God is the creator of all things. So if you have not used the word of God to craft a vision for your marriage and you're not speaking it and you're not allowing that vision guide your actions, then what you have is what you will continue to have. Do you see what I mean? So she took it and literally started to change the image in her heart using that vision to change the way she saw her husband. And she saw that gradually the way she saw him began to change. And because the way she saw him began to change the way she started to show up in the marriage began to change. So she changed first as a result of that, the man too now saw that, ah, this woman, you know, she's showing up differently. And because he also was holding on to that vision of who his wife is, not counting how they were originally showing up 
Do you see what I mean? So don't believe the lie that if somebody is somehow, they're acting a certain way, that's how they will always be. People change all the time. It's just that you cannot get them to change the way you want them to change. You have to, first of all, change your own image in your own heart. And they did that. And literally, the marriage got so transformed, so transformed that they are best friends. Do you see what I mean? Before they changed that image in their hearts with the vision that God gave them, they were living in a hellhole. You see? But they changed it. Once they changed the vision, once what is written in your heart begins to change, the circumstances in that marriage will also begin to change. It is never outside in. It is always inside out. It is always inside out. It is not possible that something will be birthed in this earth that was not already conceived in spirit realm. Look at a baby. A baby is first of all hidden and then when the time is right, it is birthed for everybody to see. It's an example, right? It's a picture of what life was created to function as. And the fourth and final one, the fourth and final reason why you must have a vision given by God for your marriage and not just have that vision. You must know how to conceive that vision and also how to birth it in your life is the one that I've mentioned a few times already. Honestly, it only takes one person to build or to wreck a marriage. You don't need to, it only takes one. So if you're saying, eh, okay, I'm single at the moment. I haven't even met the guy. How will I know what the vision for our marriage is? Don't I need to wait until I meet the man and then we'll sit down together and decide what the vision is? No, you start, you go to God and say, God, what is the vision for my marriage? Or you are married and your husband is not really inclined to all these sort of spiritual things, going to God, etc., etc. but you are inclined he wants to change you want the change but if he's not inclined does that mean you are both doomed to have a terrible marriage forever no you start the process you say god show me the vision remember i gave you the example of victoria joel for many years could not see that thing and he would not budge but victoria held on to that vision and to that image and see where they are today it only takes one person. It honestly only takes one person. Look at Abraham. God told Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations. Sarah said, oh, okay, father of many nations. Let's do Ishmael. They went and got Ishmael. God said, it's not Ishmael, I didn't send you. And then clarify that vision further for Abraham and said, it's not just any child that I'm talking about, it is the child, the son that comes out of Sarah's womb. And it was like, ah, okay, now I've got it. Oh, it's not just me alone. Okay, it is the two of us that will birth this child. Okay, got it. And even when God clarified that vision for Abraham, and Abraham knew without a shadow of doubt that the vision for their marriage was that he would have a son through Sarah. Did Sarah believe it? Sarah did not believe it all. Sarah was not on board. Sarah was not on board. See what happened when the angel showed up and said, where's your wife? Said your wife, by this time next year, your wife will be pregnant and will give birth. Sarah said, she, she, the woman laughed. 
laughed. He said, what? <laughs> Can a woman this old give birth after all this, you know, been barren all her life? And then look at even my husband. She, she didn't believe nothing. She did not believe nothing. It was the vision carefully crafted conceived and held on to by Abraham that produced Isaac. One, it takes one. It takes one person saying, God, I'm ready to be the agent of change in this marriage, but you cannot be the agent of change in physical things by saying, okay, I'm going to try and do this. Okay. I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to tell him in a certain way. Or I'm going to, no, you must go into the spirit. It is a spirit that gives birth to the physical. It is not the other way around. You want to change the situation in your marriage. You have to go to what birth that marriage in the first place, which is in the spirit realm, the heart, the heart. Do you see what I mean? So it takes one person. It takes one person. If you're single, oh, by all means, do not wait until somebody shows up. In fact, if you do it now, it will even speed up the right person showing up. Why? Because you now have clarity. You have conceived that thing and you are birthing it. Do you understand? It is regulating your choices, your actions. It is regulating how you show up to people in your environment. You will even attract the person to come faster. And if you're already in the marriage, you can go to God. I mean, best case scenario, like the third woman that I was speaking to where your marriage is happy, you're good, you're you're working with God. You can, you can say to a husband, what is even for the next 10 years of our marriage, where does God want us to take this marriage? What does he want to use our marriage to do? And you can sit down together, go to God together, get that vision and begin to live it out. If you're the second woman where your husband is not interested, but you're listening to this and you say, but I want a beautiful marriage. You can be the agent of change. You can be the agent of change because it's your marriage. God is concerned about you. Therefore, he's concerned about your marriage. Do you see what I mean? So those are four very important reasons. My goal here today is to come and convince you to help you see that you should not be living out your marriage or heading towards marriage and just leaving things to chance, not being guided by a vision crafted in the presence of God, asking God, asking deep questions, say, why did I get married? What is the thing that I truly want out of marriage? Who is my husband? What kind of man has God created this man to be? Not how he's behaving now. Say, so who has God really, really created him to be? And you hold on to that vision and you begin to conceive it and to birth it. That's the process. Honestly, you want a beautiful marriage. This is how you get there. This is the bridge that takes you there because that is what will regulate your words, your thoughts, your actions in terms of your marriage. It will literally begin to guide your feet to bring you into that beautiful marriage, you and your husband. You begin the process and you will be sure, I'm telling you, if you begin the process and commit to being the agent of change, you will be shocked how this man that you have tried to change for 15 years and has not paid any heed to you will literally begin of his own accord 
begin to move in the direction you've always believed that you should be moving in. This is what I mean. I, I put out a post on Instagram not so long ago and I, and I talked about how some women, they're praying women, but their husband is not really inclined to spiritual things. Maybe he doesn't really pray. He doesn't really go to church and they're nagging this man. They're saying, why are you like this? Why are you not going to church? Don't you know you're the head? You're supposed to be the spiritual head. You're supposed to be taking your place. None of that works. So, so I said two things. Number one, pray. And how do you pray? You get a vision regarding who God has created this man to be in terms of the head of the home, that as Christ is, that so he is, etc. And you begin to pray it into existence. And number two, you lead by example. I mean, you imagine, you're saying, come to church, come to church, but you're always rude to him. You're always speaking to him and uh, won't he be thinking, yeah, that's what they're teaching them in that church. I'm not going there. If this is what Christianity is, I want nothing to do with it. So you honestly, you are the agent of change. So I hope that has gingered you to say, ah, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to craft this vision for my marriage. If you're a super burnout woman, we have all that laid out for you. Just literally go into the marriage area and we have one of our execution guides or courses, if you prefer, is on visioneering for your marriage, designing crafting, conceiving, and birthing the marriage of your dreams that God has for you. And we walk you through how to craft that vision and also how to literally conceive it and to birth it in your life. If you're not yet a super bona woman, there's a link in the show notes that you can literally go into to join today. We are committed, dedicated 100% to seeing you as a woman live out a thriving and successful supernatural life in every area of your life. You can go to superbonawoman.com forward slash join to be a part of that. This is Allow Me. I hope you've enjoyed that and I'll be back with another episode. Thanks. Bye.